Hello. Hello. I'm Kelsey. And I'm Kim. Welcome to Season 5, Episode 7, Part 2 of the Massive Fans Book Club Podcast. Okay, it's time. We're in your ears again. (laughs) Yes. Today, we bring you Chapters 30 and 31, and a lot happens. Like, if you recall, a lot happened in 29, and that's kind of how this episode ended up being its own thing, because chapter 29 was over an hour. Hello? <laughs> yeah. We're, we're trying to be mindful of everybody's time yeah. listening to us and, you know. Well, also, with our myriad of, like, technical issues, anything over, like, 90 minutes just becomes, like, a week-long, like, marathon of trying to edit and upload and everything else (laughs) that is so true i don't know so yeah but a lot happens but i'm excited to talk about it i am too i I like some of the surprise that comes i like that i had so much fun putting the gifts together (laughs) for this section in my gif react in the in the discord because as kim knows i even sent her gif reacts when i read it the first time where i was it's not a spoiler because we're going to talk about in this episode but like when we get to the part with nesta getting like stuck in her own head when she's throwing her bones and stones i busted out laughing at everybody's reaction Because I was like, this is just so fucking cartoon to me. The fact that it's like, are we really going to act like we don't know what we, like, we're really going to act like we didn't see this? We're really going to act like we don't know what's going on? Like, we're really just going to all act fucking shocked and amazed at a thing we've been talking about for like three months? (laughs) What is happening? Exactly. I mean, hello? I'm just saying, like, didn't we establish that immediately in like I guess it wasn't Akamath but in Akamath there were like little weird hints but in Akawar for sure it was like definitely established by Feyre of all people let's just make a note who was like do you think it could be possible that something is up between Cassian and Nesta do you think they could be mates do you think that they could be mates like what yeah I I don't like Therefore, her reaction in this section makes no bloody sense. I don't know, unless the only way I, and I see it from the, from, from Favor's point of view, I mean, I guess for her, it's like, okay, yeah, I have confirmation finally, but at the same time, knowing Favor, she's like, but Nesta's never been one for PDA. I mean, I sort of get this, but I don't know. I, I... This is the same bit. Like, I don't know. I just find, I think the easiest way to sum this up is I saw somebody point this out in one of the fan groups we're in, and I was like, yes, that. Where somebody was like, it's a little weird to me, but like, for all of the like first three books, you're just like, yeah, Feyre is young. Feyre is human turned Fey. Feyre is figuring it out because she doesn't know Jack because she's fucking like 20 years old, right? And it's been a shit show and everything is new and everything is wild. And then somehow we like get to Silver Flames and Feyre likes to pretend that she's like, I am ye old wise Fey. Like, bitch, you're the same 20 year old dumbass that you were last book. Like, stop acting like you suddenly got it all figured out just because you're pregnant 
now. That is not how any of that works. Go ask a new mom. Go ask a pregnant lady. You will have never felt more lost and stupid in your life. Like, Hell, go ask an experienced mom for that matter. Like, there is no way that being pregnant has given Feyre this newfound confidence and wisdom. Like, it is the weirdest take I have ever seen written for a female character. Like, to be completely honest, that is probably why so many people find this book so weird and that, like, pregnancy plot so weird. It's not the pregnancy plot that actually is uncomfortable. It's the weird way the Feyre suddenly acts like she's got it all together that's comfy. <laughs> Yeah, I would agree. I mean, it, yeah, I I don't know. I don't know. But I digress because we'll get to that later. But anyway, for those of you who know what we're talking about, yeah, did strike anybody else as weird? The Feyre suddenly pretended to have no idea about the thing that she came up with two books ago? Same. Yeah, <laughs> completely. No, I do. I love that part. and. I, I like the beginning of chapter 30, how it's all explained. Though, now I get, now see, I get pissed off at the end of chapter 30 with the whole baby and wings and everybody's going to have their fucking meltdown. So I don't know. I totally ignore that part. <laughs> Definitely doesn't make any sense. I don't understand the logic here. Yeah. And we'll get to that, too. I hope so, because it just doesn't make any sense at all. But, hey, what do I know? No. That being said, guys, please, as always, this podcast is not for little ears. Just know. If that wasn't made abundantly clear already in the first five minutes. <laughs> yes, please. Do not listen to this in the car with their little ones. Unless you want them repeating things they shouldn't be. <laughs> quick before we actually get started shout out to our internet bestie jm wallace for her new book kicking off her new series bound by blood and sorrow it's out wherever you get your books at least wherever you get your ebooks i think it's also in like select barnes and nobles is is i think you're right yeah oh but like have you finished it i gotta be honest i have not finished it i am i am most like i'm like halfway through and i'm really enjoying it and like heads up for anybody who's like oh they're talking about a book i should check it out it's about vampires but i promise you it's not the twilight kind. <laughs> no no it's not the twilight kind at all thank god no i haven't i so for the first time in years you guys like the last several years i'm i'm like way behind where i usually am in my reading i've only read like 40 books this year so far she says um no <laughs> that's like my goal for the whole year 350 yeah, but no. I read 350 last year, so 40 no, is way off where no, I usually I live. But, you know, I haven't had time, and it's, you know, as we have said before, you guys, it's been a rough year. You know, my kiddo is really struggling with... Middle school has definitely, uh, it's been challenging for him and for me and his dad. And, you know, I mean, as a family, the three of us are working very hard to, you know, overcome this and yeah. make these challenges work for all of us. And then my mom's had health issues and, you know, I've had a couple of minor 
run-ins with things and work's been ridiculous for me and Kelsey's been working two jobs and she's got some family drama and it's just been it's been hard and my current problem was that and this happens to me all the time so if you are one of these people my bad I'm sorry I have this problem where I will be like everything is fine and I will be like I got time to read I am caught up for the podcast I can read some other stuff and I will be like oh I'm gonna pick up this book I want to read and then somebody will be like like J.M. Wallace or somebody will be like hey I have an arc for you and I'll be like cool I want to read your arc and then I'm also on like this other arc team and they'll be like hey here's this arc and I'll be like oh okay I'm reading three books at once now cool 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 and then like somebody will reach out like through our our, our discord or our website or something and be like hey can you read this thing and I'll be like yeah and suddenly I went from having all this time to try and read four books and all of these people want my feedback within like the same yeah. week and I'm like, how is this possible? How is it that nobody wants me to read an arc for like three months at a time? And then suddenly everybody hands me an arc at the same time. Yeah, I feel that. So I literally ended up with like four arcs to read at the exact same time. And I was like, that's just not happening. So I got two of them done. And then I'm still reading J.M. Wallace's right now. And yeah. 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 Well, speaking of book friends of ours... I have to share. So I was at my lunch today at work. I was going through, I was just skimming Facebook while I'm shoving food in my mouth and on my phone. And you'll never guess who I saw a book ad for on Facebook. Huh? Nisha. So Nisha, if you're out there and you're listening, I saw an ad for one of your books today on Facebook. I wish I could tell you right now which one it was. I'll be honest. I can't. If you recall. The end of 29, Nesta had a, I don't know, what should we call that? Uh, it wasn't a dream. It was basically a nightmare, but it wasn't really even a nightmare. It was just a nightmare. It was a living, breathing nightmare? <laughs> yeah. Because, like, a nightmare implies that it was, like, all in her head, but it fucking wasn't. <laughs> so, yeah. anyway, whatever. The cauldron was, like, after the bitch, right? And that happened. And then, you know, Reese went in her head and then he said some dumb shit about how she has trauma. And we were like, yeah, where have you fucking been? Anyway, that was the end of 29. So 30 picks up with Nesta waking up and kind of being like, what just happened? Like, I, yeah, she's like, I, I think I had a night. I have a headache. I think I had a nightmare think I'm in my bed I'm really confused and she's like then like what was happening somebody someone was like after me and I was like freaking out and then there was like a guy in my head and he was saying some stuff and I think it was to calm me down and I think it was nice stuff which is fucking weird because I think it was Reese's voice (laughs) it's basically what she says (laughs) And Reese is never nice to her. Right. She's like, super weird. Because there was this, like, guy in my head and he was being nice to me. But that can't fucking be right. Because I swear to God it was Reese. And that just doesn't track. And uh, she's waking up from this, like, real fucking confused. And she's, like, looking around. She's like, okay. Okay. Sun is out. Daytime. Uh, Sheets. 
literally all over the fucking place like I tore through here like a tornado. And mm-hmm. oh, how interesting. Cassian is asleep in the chair next to the bed. <laughs> yeah. Definitely a what? Yeah. And so for a second, she's watching him and he's like in his sleep shorts or whatever it was a weird choice of words <laughs> i just want to point out that it's <clears throat> he was wearing only his undershorts so i guess underwear is the word we're looking for or and then i was like no maybe they're pajama shorts but then i was like so i chose to ignore that completely and picture him in like flannel pajama bottoms like a normal human there you go i like it yeah so anyway he's sleeping in the chair and i guess like he's got a blanket so he's been sitting he's been there like all night you know presumably and she's finally putting it all together like oh so i definitely had a nightmare something definitely was like all up in my head and it was definitely reese who is not here interesting But Cassian's here, and I think I sort of remember hearing him, too. Like, she's finally putting all of these pieces together. Which is fair. That was a lot. It is a lot. And she notices that, you know, he's all, like, stressed out and worried. And I, you know, scrunchy-faced. And so cute. Well, it's cute because, okay, well, one thing I want to point out is because, you know, she and Feyre are sisters. So, um, yes. sometimes they're, th- and also they're written by the same lady. Weird how that works. <laughs> Weird how authors sound the same sometimes. <laughs> huh. Yeah. But there's a sentence in here that reminds me of how Feyre explains stuff to us when it's in her point of view. Because she says the sun gilded his dark hair and shone through his wings, bringing out the undertones of red and gold in both, which very Feyre observation. It is. It's a super Feyre observation. But then it's really cute because it immediately switches into Nesta's way of observing. Because if you recall, we said that Feyre often looked at people as like people in moments as like paintings, as still shots, as color and lines, right? Versus yeah. Nesta tends to relate to her favorite thing, like reading and books and, and character and that kind of thing. Right. And so she, it says, like a knight guarding his lady, she couldn't stop the image sprung from the pages of her childhood books, like a warrior prince with those tattoos and that muscle bound chest. And I just thought that was really cute that like it switched, you know, she has that like observant moment very much like Pharaoh, but then the way she actually right. connects to it is very her own way. It's all about the book, baby. All about the book. Yeah. It's just super cute. It is. It's so cute. And the fact that like he's there for her makes her kind of like teary eyed, but you know, it's Nesta. So we like reel that in real quick. <laughs> yeah. And he's always like, he's like, you know, hey, are you okay? Yeah. And she's like, yep. And he's like, good. Do you want to talk about it? And she's like, nope. And he's like, okay, we're fine. And that's that. Like, that's it, people. That's all. Like, it was a good? Yeah. Okay. You want to talk about it? No. Okay. Good. Okay. My favorite thing is that 
I love this because to me, I people do not give Nesta enough credit because to me, her and Cassie right now, this is to me very clear communication. They're not yeah. they're not lying, they're not avoiding the topic. Just now is not the moment, which is completely fair. And I just love that after a beat though, they both do know what they want, which is you want Good. breakfast? <laughs> I like your priorities, General. I do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's go eat. Like, I love that. I just thought that was, like, so great. You want to talk about it? Nope. Want to eat? Yep. <laughs> Been there, done that. Have that t-shirt. Yep. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then we get a snowflake. Uh, yeah. And, of course, they're doing... They're, they're So, on the other side of the snowflake, they're upstairs. They're doing their exercises with, you know the girls and emery is like what happened you look like death which god bless emery for being the kind of friend to say that because like i don't know about you but i know for me it always like i always appreciate when one of my friends really actually is paying attention yeah i don't have to say everything again one of the many reasons why you and i get along so well it's like hey you know you look like shit right yep you feel like shit yeah want to talk about it nope cool (laughs) (laughs) one of those days today huh you need to talk you know where i am yep lunch okay lunch yeah exactly exactly (laughs) anyway nesta's honest and she tells you know tells the girls bad dreams and gwen's like do you have them often and Nesta's like, yes. And Gwen's like, me too. Some nights I need a sleeping potion from our healer to knock me out. And, you know, Emery's kind of like, huh. You know, they don't poke into each other's pasts. They know that all three of them have their own traumas and they have yeah. their own issues. But they're not going to force you to talk about it until you're ready to have that conversation. And I like that. Like, yeah. they're not pushing and poking and needling. It's kind of weird because it's kind of like that's almost like how we dealt with Feyre's trauma <laughs> yeah you know and it's so, almost like um, when you let people deal with things in their own time eventually it works itself out <laughs> well and I like the way it's approached because Emery realizes Nesta needs to talk about it a little bit to get it out of her system so Emery does kind of push her and she's like, well, what did you dream about? And Esther kind of locks up a little bit and she thinks about it. And then she tells them, I dreamed, I dreamt of the cauldron and what it did to me. She doesn't go into detail. She's just, this is what happened. This is what I dreamt about. And Gwen's like, yeah, I dream of my past too. You know, but Gwen's admission, Nesta's, it didn't weigh them down kind of cleared their heads and you know they were able to kind of push themselves and as Nesta notices she's like you know perhaps in voicing those truths they'd given them wings and sent them soaring into the open sky above and I really respect that because it's like you know sometimes just getting the bare bones out and getting that off your chest is enough to kind of free you from the minutia and the ridiculousness and just allow you to move on in a way. Yeah. And then we get a snowflake. Yeah. Okay. Well, 
now we're about to have like a really stupid fucking conversation. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Which means we're probably just not going to dwell on it too long and we're just going to get through it because truthfully, every stupid fucking thing that could be said in this section is and anything you've read in any of the fan groups or spoilers or whatever, it is as stupid as it sounds. (laughs) Yep. Like, I thought we were going to get to the baby has wings section and I was going to be like, oh, it's not as dumb as all that. No, it is. It is. And we're just going to have to live with that. Yep. Plot device. Yes, it's absolutely a plot device. I think they're, um, you know, full disclosure, like, I love SJM. I just think that there probably was a better way to do exactly what she was trying to do than this way. But I'm just gonna, like, trust the process and go with the idea that maybe this is resonating with somebody somewhere, and it maybe just isn't most of us on the internet. (laughs) I would agree with that. I mean, I do. I totally, I don't know. There are ways that they could have handled this and given it better plot armor than it has. Yes. Yeah. So long story short, Cassian, Reese, they're chatting. Obviously they just went through this horrific, weird moment with Nesta last night. So that's initially what like Cassian thinks they're talking about when it's like, how are you? You look like shit. Yeah. You also look like shit. Rough night. Yeah. Like, you know, man, speak. And then Reese finally is like, <laughs> Reese is doing the thing where he just kind of like sidelines the conversation. I think that's nope. the thing that's also weird about this book. I think in real life where these would be real people who you would actually know for a long time and it would be like a not one-sided view per se, you know, like if you were just watching people you actually knew, this probably comes off less fucking weird. But when you read it, it comes off really fucking weird because it definitely comes off that Reese is like, yeah, that shit that happened with Nesta last night was wild. Anyway, my problem. (laughs) Yeah. Like we don't let Cassian get like a word in edgewise, right? Well, you know. Instead, we're just like, hmm. So, yeah, I had a rough night after the rough night. Oh, really? What happened? The baby has wings. And Cassian's like, woohoo! He gonna be able to fly! Why do you love him? And we are told, okay, we get a weird explanation, and this is the other reason this is so uncomfortable, because truthfully, if it had ended with, the baby has wings! Woo! He can fly! It's gonna be hard to birth it with wings! Oh yeah, I forgot! If that had been the conversation, I probably could have been like, yeah, I don't really understand the logistics of that, but that's okay. The problem is we tried to explain the logistics and it made it dumber. (laughs) Yes, we did. We did. We just, it, yeah. So here be the logistics. So Maja came, you know, the healer, and she is also apparently the only fucking doctor (laughs) in the whole fucking place. So she came to basically do, you know, Feyre's, you know, 10-week checkup or whatever the fuck, right? Like, they're your right. first one. When you first go to the doctor and they're like, okay, so you're pregnant. Let's make sure you're really pregnant. And you're like, bitch, I'm definitely fucking pregnant. It's been 10 weeks. You made me wait a really long time. I think I'm clearly pregnant. But whatever. So it's that appointment, right? Where Maja just is like, well, yeah, look at that. You're pregnant. And then somehow Maja also has the ability to, like, do an ultrasound, but not really. It's, like, in her brain or some shit. It's magic. And- 
Yeah, like it really doesn't make any fucking sense, right? We don't explain this. She's just able to magically figure it out. And she's like, oh, look at that. The baby has wings. And then we get even more fucking logic that hurts my brain, which is Cassian being like, well, wait a minute, hold up. That don't really make fucking sense. Like, she's human, and you don't always have your wings. How the fuck did that happen? And then Reese says only thing one quarter go, Illyrian. Only a quarter Illyrian. Right. Yeah, so then Reese says a thing that makes me go, Oh my god, Reese did not take biology. <laughs> he is only a quarter Illyrian, but Pharaoh was in an in Illyrian form when he was conceived. So, huh? Well, okay. And even Cassian is like, that's not how that works. To which then Reese goes, yeah, I fucking flunked biology. I don't know. But she does, he, the baby has wings and uh, it is what it is. And so then Cassian's like, okay, so... If the whole thing has to do with her shape-shifting into her Illyrian form, then couldn't she fucking shape-shift back? <laughs> like- well, no, because... Well, here's the thing, though, because, you know, because Cassian's like, wait a minute, I only thought she just made the wings. Like, Cassian doesn't realize Feyre is a flat-out shapeshifter. That was the sure. gift he got from, from, from Tamlin. And so... You know, Reese is the one who says, no, she shapeshifts. She transforms her entire self into the form she takes. So she was in 100% Illyrian form. Right. He can say that. But we still know that that doesn't make any, even in a world of magic, that is the weirdest explanation that makes zero sense. I don't disagree. I'm just saying. I know, but here's why this doesn't make any sense. And this is why I think even Cassian's like, I guess I'm just stupid because this doesn't make any fucking sense to me. I could get on board with that magic system if it was just like, she can shapeshift into a generic bird, a generic Illyrian. She can shapeshift into a cactus. Like, I could get behind that. But the bitch can shapeshift like into Tarquin, into, you know, Tamlin. Well, she, she's not fucking Tamlin. She she just can shapeshift to look like it. That's not... When you shapeshift, you don't... You, Tamlin doesn't cease to exist and you are Tamlin. <laughs> like, that's not right. I know. And honestly, I think Cassian has the best answer to it, which is, so let her change back. Right. He's like, I'm sorry. What is the problem? Nothing you're saying makes any fucking sense. And I'm like, cool. It doesn't to us either. And then we get a thing that, like I said, just it just continues to deteriorate and make less and less sense. Maja has put a ban on any more shapeshifting. She says that to alter Feyre's body in any way right now could put the baby at risk. On the chance that it could be bad for the baby, Feyre is forbidden to so much as change the color of her hair until after the birth. To which I say, and maybe I'm going to piss somebody off, but this felt some like some really fucking weird, like... I'm just going to say, this feels like some really fucking weird pro-life shit to me. Yeah. That paragraph just irritated me to no end. Yeah. I read it like six times to be like, am I just overreacting? No, I'm not. 
Because the thing is, we can already tell from this paragraph that none of this has been run by Feyre. Right. And none of this has to do with Feyre's health in the pregnancy. Yep. We are just making choices on behalf of Feyre, assuming that she, because she is pregnant, would be like, well, I don't want to hurt the baby. I'm sure she doesn't want to hurt the baby, but... Please? I know. And- I don't I don't get it. Like, I, I struggle with this. I do. So... I, it- it makes no sense. No, it doesn't. And even Cassian's like, Cassian's just like trying to be positive because you can tell Cassian's like, clearly, I don't fucking understand any of this. Like, this makes no sense to me. And like I said, me too, dude. I don't get it either. And he's like, yeah, like, it'll be all right. It's not that bad. Like, somebody will figure something out. Like, we're fucking like all powerful beings with all of the money in the world. We'll figure something out. And for some reason, Reese can't get beyond that. And is just like total spiraling being like, it is that fucking bad. And Cassian's like, would you breathe motherfucker? Like, could you just take a breath for a second? And, uh, yeah. Cassian even offers to go out and fight with them. Yeah, Reese is like cussing out literally the sky, which I don't even know what he's cussing at because it doesn't really feel like they have like a religious base. So I don't know what gods he's cursing out, but whatever he is. And Cassian's just like, yeah, like, do you need to go beat me up to feel better? (laughs) But then I think the really upsetting part to me is that this just continues to like fall apart, right? So Asriel's here now. And I really thought that maybe Azrael was going to come in and be, like, the logic of the room. <laughs> I really thought Azrael was going to come in and be like, okay, well, Cassian was trying to help and offered to let you beat him up. And that's nice. But Reese, get your shit together. Um, yeah. That didn't happen. No, no story time with Papa Az on this one. No. Yeah, Papa Az failed us miserably in this chapter. Jesus. So, Azrael says initially the right thing which is why i thought he was gonna do better he says tell us what you need reese which is i think a very like this man has been to therapy he has found the therapist in volaris and he has been <laughs> yes and Thank uh, God someone has <laughs> he's like tell me what you need and reese is basically just like I need to, like, not fall apart and get my shit together and find a solution. And I don't want Pharaoh to die. And I don't want to lose the baby. And it's like, these are all fair things, Reese. But then the last thing he fucking says is where somebody should have been like, okay, we can do point bullets one through four, but number five has got to go. Because number five is no one says a word about this to Feyre. No one. Yep. And Asriel clarifies, like, okay, I don't understand. Didn't Maja, like, when this was discovered, Maja wasn't like, hey, Feyre, the baby has wings and this is a problem because X, Y, Z. You're telling me that didn't fucking happen. Right. And Reese is like, no, she just mentioned, okay, so then this is like, I don't even know who I'm more irritated at. Because then he's like, no, she only mentioned an elevated risk during birth. And then he laughs and he's like, yeah, elevated risk. This is so annoying to me. (laughs) Because I don't know who I want to punch out more. Reese. Or Maja. Because she's the fucking doctor. Feyre is her fucking patient. 
I know. How could she not tell Feyre the truth? Again, this just feels really, and I'm not, and I'm not at all trying to imply that that's like SJM's thought process. I'm not, I'm not trying to like turn this into a thing. Don't get me wrong. Like, I'm gonna just get through this chapter and move the fuck on because I don't think that was the intention. I just really cannot believe a bunch of people, because like more than one person reads a fucking book before you publish it. I can't believe that somebody wasn't like, mm, this is reading like really, really uh, anti mo like anti woman. This is reading really anti mother. This is reading really like bad, sketchy fucking backwoods doctor who doesn't tell the truth because he's pro life. Like nobody yep. brought this up. I don't know. I'm not on her beta team. Exactly. So I don't know. So that's the only th like like I said. I'm not trying to like make a whole thing out of it. I'm not like anti you know Sarah J. Mass by any means. I don't think that was the intention behind this. And maybe maybe some of this is I'm reading it that way now because Jesus Christ in 2023 in America this is such a fucking problem. It is. So like maybe in 20 when was this published like two years ago maybe when it came out two years ago particularly in like another country like if you read this two years ago in canada i, I don't know if this would have bothered you yeah you know what i mean or if you read it 10 years from now in spain like you know what i mean like i think there are times and places where this is not super relevant to you so maybe you're just like yeah this is a weird plot device it is what it is but I think it's just really hard to swallow given what's going on in so many states in America now. I would agree with that. I react now versus the first time I read it. I didn't like it. Now right. my reaction is much more visceral. Yeah. Yeah. For the reasons that you stated. I mean, I'm like, the fuck? Yeah. So, and, and I think the thing is, is, and obviously everybody's going to have different feelings about it. And a lot of people really, really hate this section. And this is some of the reasons probably why I don't super at this point in this particular chapter, as much as I want to deck Reese and I want to just like punch his little nose in his face and be like, get your shit together. I don't hate him for this because I think we are watching a man panic. Yep. You know? And so like, I, I don't think this is him thinking things through. I don't think this is really who he is. He is acting poorly in a moment of panic and making poor decisions. I'm actually way more irritated at Maja because she's the fucking doctor in the room and she should handle it. Well, yeah. He shouldn't be looking for a way to explain it to Feyre because she should have done it the minute she discovered it. I mean, here's the thing. I was a high-risk pregnancy when I was pregnant with my son. I mean, honest to God, he could have killed me. Yeah. Literally. I knew what the deal was. I was very calm about it. I didn't, you know, I was fully well aware of the fact that I had preeclampsia and that that meant that I stood a very elevated chance of heart attack or stroke. Right. But I tried to stay as calm as I could because, first of all, getting freaked out, upset, and pissed off is going to do me zero good. Right. Right. That's not going to help the situation. It's not going to help me. It's not going to help the baby. It wasn't going to do anything. So I was like, all right, fine. And I was very calm about it. And yet 
I have friends, I guess, because I was so calm. I have a girlfriend who did not realize it was either right before I had Wesley or right after I had him that one of her coworkers, his wife was pregnant and had preeclampsia and she got up one morning and literally had a heart attack and was dead by the time she hit the floor. At which point it finally became real to my girlfriend that, oh my God, you really were sick and you really could have died. Like you were very calm, but you really were, you were not in good shape. And I think, you know, I know Mike was totally upset and freaked out. And I, part of the reason why I was calm about it is because somebody in our group, you know, somebody in my family had to be calm. Right. I mean, freaking out isn't going to do anyone any good. Yeah. And so I I realized that if I stayed calm, it was better for me and better for the baby and better for, you know, the situation. And so I did. And I wasn't careless about it or anything else. And I think, you know, reading this, especially now in light of where we are in America politically, and I, I don't care what side of the political flag you stand on on this one. I mean, I have my opinion. I know Kelsey has her opinion and our opinions are absolutely lined up. But the fact of the matter is, is that, you know, I've been that high risk mom. Yeah. I've I've been in this position. I see where Reese is coming from, from the panicked dad trying right. to figure this out. But at the same time, not explaining this to Farah is not going to help. No, Absolutely. And I feel grateful that in my situation, I had the knowledge I needed to do this. See, and that's where like you and I differ. I wasn't high risk, but having an HG pregnancy, my problem was I was ignored and kind of gaslit most of my pregnancy to the point that I ended up in labor having to transfer where I gave birth because the people I was with were not prepared to deal with my situation. And they didn't bother to figure that out until I had already been in labor for like 10 hours. So then I had to transfer to new care. That was a time. Anyway, the point is, is once I did transfer, I had much better doctors. They were much more, you know, they they were just much more prepared for the situation I was in. The doctors I initially had that weren't the problem, they just weren't prepared and they should have been honest about that. But then when I ended up, you know, my new care team at a different hospital, everything was, you know, worked out fine. The thing is, is... I look at it as what happened, what's happening in this story is sort of like looking back what was happening to me, where it's like, how did you keep me in the dark about what was happening until it was too late to fix it, until it was too late to do anything about it? I ended up having to go back to the hospital after giving birth because I had been so dehydrated during my pregnancy and so dehydrated while giving birth that I, so they put me through five IV bags as soon as I got to the hospital because I was so dehydrated. They didn't think I was going to make it the next few hours. Did they tell me that at the time? Fucking no. Did they tell me after the fact? Yeah, great. Love that for me. Then did anybody warn me, even the good hospital with the good doctors, did anybody fucking warn me like what was going to happen next from being so severely dehydrated? No. Did I end up at 10 days postpartum back in the hospital because I had a kidney infection? Yes. Like, people just failed to do their fucking jobs, and I ended up so much more screwed and scared than I needed to be, because other people couldn't handle their fucking job. Right. 
And that's how I feel about reading this. I'm like, Maja, you had one fucking job. Right. How did you fuck that up for her so bad? Well, yeah. I think, mean, like I said, that's why I can kind of give Reese a pass because it's like my husband could tell that I was dehydrated. My husband could tell this wasn't going well and he advocated for me, but he's not a doctor. He couldn't know that that was going to be the next thing to happen. He could tell it wasn't going well, but he couldn't tell what to do about it. I know. And that's how I feel about Reese. Okay, the dude's not handling it well and that's annoying. But on the other hand, he's not the doctor. He doesn't know what to say. And that's part of the reason why he's not saying anything, because he doesn't know what to say. He doesn't know what the solution is. Exactly. But I'm not. just fucking should know that she at least doesn't know. And she should know that as the doctor, it's her job to break that fucking news. Exactly. I, I don't disagree. So, like, the whole thing is just so irritating to me. Well, I, <sighs> you know... I, it's funny because your your after birth experience and mine are in a way very similar. I was hemorrhaging so yeah. bad. They had to give me a transfusion. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I literally could have probably laid there and bled out. Oh, I'm sure you could have because they somehow 2023 20, people and we some fucking figured that one out. Although I sit here and I say that, and in this fucking fantastical world, we can't even figure out how to use an ultramount sound machine, let alone do a C-section, apparently. Jesus, we'll get to that later. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> not to go totally off topic, but uh, one of my favorite TikTok, um, like OBGYN nurses, is uh, Jen Hamilton. Mm -hmm. And she has a, a saying that she says to her patients that I just, I think if more people were like her, if Maja had been like her, we wouldn't be in this situation, which is uh, her thing. She even has like a t-shirt that says it is, um, I know you're scared, but I'm not. Because exactly. she is trained to deal with this. She exactly. knows what she's doing and she is confident in doing it. Exactly. And, and if Maja had been wearing that fucking t-shirt, we could have gotten through this. <laughs> well, you know, yeah, there's that. And I mean, from you know, I think, well, I got lucky because I had, I had, a, well, I have a friend, we're still friends, who, she's a nurse. She does a lot of ICU, CCU, but her initial specialty was in OBGYN and she dealt with yeah. high risk. So I got to the point where I was calling her. She was in Oregon at the time. And I was literally calling her on a regular basis because I needed to talk to somebody who knew what the hell was going on and could explain right. to me what to do. Yeah. So now that we've established that everybody's a fucking idiot and this is what happens when you let, let a lot of men stand around and try to make decisions on behalf of women. Anyway... Asriel's like, hey, not to uh, throw another monkey wrench in this whole fucking fiasco, but what's your plan, my dude? Because we can keep our mouths shut if you want us to, but eventually this is all going to be a shit show when she's showing and the whole fucking world knows she's pregnant and starts like asking fucking questions, right? And right. he's like, I don't know. And he's like, okay, cool, my dude. I'm glad that you don't know. I'm glad that uh, I'm bringing this up because, like, what are you going to do when Eris knows? You barely like that fucker. And what are you going to do when Tamlin knows? Like, what's your fucking plan? Yeah. Reese doesn't have one. Like, for the first time ever, Reese doesn't have a fucking plan. <laughs> 
Cassian points out a very important note about Tamlin figuring it out, which is this could blow up in our faces. He could lose his ever-loving shit, and we better be prepared for fallout. Which, uh, I mean, like, not that I give Tamlin a lot of credit, but, like, I also don't think he's gonna, like, burn the fucking town to the ground on behalf of his not maid. <laughs> No, but I love what I like what Cassian says because you know Reese's response is well he sets foot over the border and he's dead and Cassian's like yeah I, I don't doubt that but he's already hanging on by a thread you and Lucian have made it clear that he's barely improved this past year learning a favorite pregnancy might make him crumble again with the new war possible and Brianne up to her bullshit with Koshche we need a strong alley. We need the spring court's forces. And, yeah. then, and, and so then Reese is like, well, but so we're going to hide it. And as is finally like, no, we need to summon Lucian. I we like need to that as is like, how are you planning on hiding a very pregnant woman? What is your fuck? Like, how would that be what I'm suggesting? <laughs> But yeah, I like that the solution is to summon Lucian. I love, I'm sorry, like this cracked me up so hard. I love that when all hell is breaking loose and nobody knows what to do and everybody's freaking out, that the solution is, I don't know, call Lucian. <laughs> He's the man seems reason. Pretty, pretty chill. He seems like he can talk anyone off a ledge. Like, it is exactly. so funny to me that they like basically hate Lucian for nothing other than the fact that he's like Elaine's mate and he like at one time was friends with Tamlin he's not even like actively friends with Tamlin right and it's like Jesus I cannot believe we give this man no credit but we call him every time we have a fucking problem yeah and they're gonna make him him babysit Tamlin yeah yeah so he wants that's hilarious. And just the thought of babysitting Tamlin and Tamlin being involved in this in any way makes Reese like get feral. And so the chapter literally ends with Cassian being like, all right, let's go get bloodied up. <laughs> Apparently nothing else is going to work. So you can beat the shit out of me. Let's yeah. go. And that is a chapter on why we have to stop letting men make decisions on behalf of others. Uh, we definitely need female representation, minority representation, and just representation of other in the fucking room where it happens. Yes. Because I just, this was the biggest fucking disaster of a chapter I have ever read written by Sarah J. Mass, And some of that may just be the fact that she did that on purpose. Like, it's completely possible that she was like, I just want everybody to remember what happens when you let a bunch of fucking idiots stand around and make decisions in a fucking vacuum. Yeah. Like and maybe that was that the goal. Point. <laughs> maybe that was the goal. <laughs> I have no idea. But it's okay because that chapter's over and we can just sort of like carry on. <laughs> Very fair. So chapter 31. Kind of cracks me up the way it starts. So Nesta's in the dining room eating, and Cassian quite literally enters, but he's not really walking or anything. He's limping. Yeah. And he's, you know, black and blue with a black eye, and the shit got kicked out of him. 
And like any sane person, Nesta's concerned about it. <laughs> well, yeah. And she's like, well, what happened to you? And he's like, oh, I sparred with Reese. And I love, I love his response because she's she tells him she goes you look like a tenderized piece of meat and his answer is you should see him okay so we went back to that fight we were having up in uh windhaven right after he and favor got mated i guess i don't know yeah i i i just can't even imagine what favorite i don't even understand how this would have behooved reese because if Fa if re or like, if Reese looks like shit and he showed up and Favor's like, what happened? It doesn't really make any sense for him to be like, oh, Cassie and I were just beating the shit out of each other for funsies. Because she's going to be like, oh, no, what's going on? And he's going to be like, oh, doo -doo 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 -doo. <laughs> Exactly. Anyway, whatever. Again, male logic is lacking, but whatever. Oh, that just goes along with the theory I have about men in general. I love my husband. I love my child. But yeah. I do have a theory. Anyway, Cassie's like, oh, he just, he need to get, you know, he needed to burn off some energy and get it out of his system. And I just love it because her response to that is, well, your idea of letting loose and mine appear to be very different. I just and want to point out a thing that is going to ruin everything for like six people who know what I'm talking about. Sometimes when Nesta is talking sort of down to Cassian, not like, I mean, sometimes she's being a total bitch, but when she's just talking like this, where she's like, what the fuck? Like, what, my dude? Sometimes I picture slash hear her in my head a little bit like that character from Ghost's Hetty. <laughs> and I just can't help it. Fair? So anyway, just in case that, in case anybody else wanted to have all of their mental pictures ruined. There you go. And of course, Cassian's like, oh, you know, this isn't fun. We were doing it to release tension. And he, and, and you know, Nesta's like, about what? And I, I love what happens because he lets her in on the secret. He's not supposed to tell anyone. Remember yeah. that conversation last yeah, chapter? Yeah, but remember, we know from all TV and movies that when you're not supposed to tell anyone, that doesn't include your spouse. So that means he's basically counting her as his spouse. Anyway, carry on. Cassie's <laughs> like, the baby has wings. And this is like, how, how do they know that? And he explains, you know, that Maja's magic allows her to get a shape of the baby. And he explains that, you know... You know, the baby's large enough now that Maja can detect all of that, all of the limbs are in order and that he has wings. And Nesta was just kind of like going, huh. Interesting. And she's kind of like, I wonder what happened if I like what my power. Hmm, weird. You know, and there was a bit of panic. And she's like, so Rissan didn't want the baby to have wings. Okay, I love this logic. I think this is the funniest thing in the world to me because Nesta shows up using normal human female logic. Uh-huh. So the baby has wings. Uh-huh. And then you guys had beat each other up because, what, Reese doesn't want the baby to have wings? <laughs> like, I, you're going to have to explain this because this is dumb. I can already tell this is dumb. <laughs> like... And 
Cassidy's like, nope, nope, that's not it. You know, it's a joy for for he and I and as and favorite. Like, we want to show the baby how to fly and love the air and the sky the whole bit. And then he goes, but the problem is going to be birth. And and Nesta's like, uh, okay, I don't understand. And the question comes up: Well, how many half Valerians do you know? And Cassian asks that of Nesta, and she's like, well. Reese, I guess, because you know her exposure to Illyrians is so large. Not well, right? And I again love her logic, which is like the one who's freaking out, him. So what's the fucking like? Explain your fucking point, because clearly exactly. it can be done. He exists. <laughs> exactly. And he, you know, Cassian's like, oh well, because they're really uncommon. However, in this case. Reese's mother was Illyrian, and Illyrian women hardly ever marry and reproduce outside of their communities. Illyrian males do so far more often, or at least fuck around, but you rarely see the offspring. Again, why? Apparently, Illyrian females have a little bit different biology, so that, and this would make sense if you look at it truly from a biology standpoint. I know that there are animals in the world that if you have... There are mammals that, you know, they do talk about it, that the the pelvis is a little differently shaped for certain body parts that have to happen. So anyway, apparently Illyrian females have a pelvis that is shaped so that passing a baby with wings is not a problem, whereas standard hyphae, it's a problem because they're not shaped that way. And he finally explains most females die. Babes with them if a child has wings to a high fame mother the the nine times out of ten the wings cause the baby to get stuck during delivery so on and so forth and happiness and so then all of a sudden she's like you know then 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 it finally clicks in nesta's head and she's like so favor's gonna die and he's like well he can't answer that but he's like well you know we don't know but you know even the women who survive come so close to death that, you know, they usually can't have another child. Okay. I'm sorry. I did not want to bring the logic back into this, but listening (laughs) and, you know, having a brain, I feel like I have a really, this is why fantasy is hard. This is why writing fantasy has to be fucking difficult because when you create a world you're now responsible for all of the weird little fucking backwards shit of that world. And so, okay, fine, fine. Haifei, don't do this. They do not have the pelvis for this. And no, Maja is a crappy doctor who does not know how C-sections work. Okay, fine, fine. We will go with this world building. Question. Humans in the human world. No wings, still babies get fucking stuck up in there, and still we have to have C-sections. And I understand that this is still humans in a fantasy world, but human humans on the human planet Earth have been doing C-sections, and mind you, sometimes not very successfully, but for like literal hundreds thousands of years like i mean there's literally evidence of like ancient people pulling off c-sections 
So my confusion here is that just because they're sitting here going, well, Maja doesn't know what to do. I'm a little confused that Nesta's not like, cool, cool. But like in the human world, sometimes you can find a doctor who fucking knows what they're doing. Right. So, so unless the world building means that also humans can't fucking figure it out. So is the death rate, is the maternal death rate of the humans just astronomical in this book? I have no, like, I understand that that's not a thing she included, but I'm just saying like, it's kind of a world building conundrum to me. Anyway, sorry. I hadn't thought about that till this moment where I was like, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. He's describing it like we've never heard of birthing issues before. I guarantee you the humans have fucking birthing issues. You know, not only that, but he, I mean, he does explain about the whole C-section thing, which apparently their medicine, even magically enhanced, is so rudimentary because, you know, he's like, you know, I don't know. Which doesn't make any sense. Because they healed their wings immediately. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I agree. And he's like, you know, any attempt to cut the child out of the womb previously has basically no mother's ever survived it. So we won't Which even try it. doesn't make any sense because their wings were shredded. It doesn't make any sense. You know, I'm with you. It does not make sense. I'm totally fucking confused. I yeah. Really anyway, am. sorry. Carry on. That's my way of coping. <laughs> It's okay. So, uh, you know, I mean, Nesta then asks a logical question of, well, so is, you know, Fair distraught? I mean, that's fair. She sh- she would ask that if, if, you know, her sister. And apparently, you know, this is, this is just not good. So, you know, he, Cassian's like, nope, she doesn't know the full scope. You know, we who have grown up in this world know what it means, but no, your sister does not know. And she's like, Reese needed to fight out his fear. And Cassian's finally like, yes, along with with guilt and and pain. And I'm like, okay, I get all of this. But again, why are we not having that conversation with with Feyre? I, I, I just, none of this works. And, you know, it's like, and then nesta's smart she's like you know well maybe there's another court that has one you know between you know the dawn court with their wings and 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 the peregrines you know because they have wings and draken's people are seraphim and, and miriam doesn't have wings yet she's given birth to draken's children and yeah, see, you know nesta this is why you need women in the room because nesta's bringing all the fucking logic right you know, and then they're like, well, you know, so Cassian's like, well, Reese is heading to the island tomorrow to see Draken and Miriam and making, and more is making inquiries at fake courts on the continent. You know, it's one of those where he goes, you know, if, if there's a way to save Pharaoh from death, he's going to, you know, Reese will find a way to do it. He's going to stop at nothing until he figures out a way to spare her. And then God bless Nesta, like all of this hits and she looks up and she's like, well, I'm going to try scrying again. Cassie's like, whoa, 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 hold up. After last night, do you really think this is such a bright idea? I mean, I don't blame him. I think I'd be asking that question too. And she's finally like, look, I need to regain some strength after my attempt yesterday, but we can do it tomorrow night. And Cassie's like, okay, fine. But I want, I want Reese and Amron there and Azrael. And she's like, fine. And Talk about a weird way to turn the table on this conversation. Uh, yeah. 
He's gotten all that out. And then he just turns around and he looks at me and goes, so why haven't you sought me out? Uh-huh. In complete fairness, I think that was one of those things where, like, mm, when I read it the first time, it didn't really feel that weird. And then, like, when we started talking about it, then it fucking felt weird. And I, I think, like, in film or TV, it could go either way, depending on how it's played. Fair. Because <laughs> it is a weird... Transition. It is a weird very. transition, but on the other hand, it's not super weird because we have to remember the context, which is it's. I mean, yes, she now trains with like Emery and and Gwen, and, and you know he sees other people, but for the most part, it's been the two of them in this place all day, every day, <laughs> for several weeks now. Yeah, uh-huh. and so I think there's just a certain amount of like. I hate to say it this way, but like, well, thems are thems are their problems. Uh, that has nothing to do with here and us. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, I really hate to say it that way, but it's kind of true. It's like, well, that sounds like a load of fucking crazy shit. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Anything we can do about it? Nope. Well, then fuck that. Oh, like, you know what I mean? Well, you know, that's just it. And then, of course, her comeback is, is, so why haven't you sought me? I'm like, oh, God, here we go. And he's like, well, I was going to take my cues from you. And he's like, well, I didn't hurt you, did I? And then she's like, no, 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 you didn't. No, no, we're good. And they they start going tit for tat, basically, back and forth. Having the little tete-a-tete at the dinner table. Mm-hmm. Long story short, there's a lot of the word fuck on one page for... Yeah. Uh, this, okay, I don't care. You've heard me talk. But I think it's funny because it reads funny to me a lot. Like the first time we read Akatar and I could not stop laughing about Lucian saying the word balls. <laughs> Same here. It's not the fact that she says this wild sentence. And it is not the fact that he responds wildly. That is the problem to me. It just feels so weirdly out of character for them both. I agree. I I agree 100%. I, I'm, yeah. I don't really care. I just... It's like, who invaded their bodies <laughs> for a moment? <laughs> it's the invasion of the body snatchers. Yeah, I would give you that. I will say, without, like, hurting anybody's brain, if uh, Jesus, I can't even imagine what this sounds like. When they eventually get, if they eventually get here with the graphic audio, I cannot even imagine. They can't possibly be doing this book, can they? Chapter 55 was just awkward. <laughs> I still haven't listened. <laughs> I got about that far and was like, I don't think I can handle it. Oh. It was just awkward. Yeah, it was like listening to a porno. Yeah, cool. Um, so anyway, this uh, without doing that to you all, I will say he, they do. He Cassian says a thing that I think is hilarious and like, say it, man. Do the yeah like go for it it was awkward but you went for it where 
he just starts fucking like listing surfaces and You He's get like, him oh, there, Cassian. <laughs> you go. He's like on this table, on this chair, on every. And she's like, "Yeah, I don't think the house would appreciate that." But then she circles back and is like, "Nope, the house would be like that's gross, man." And he's like, "The what?" <laughs> But before we can carry on with the house being a viewer of all of this, and that just like really also hurting my brain, they kiss and get distracted. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, she realizes he's all turned on. And finally, she's like, she comes to realization that doing the horizontal tango with Cassian again will be her reward after she scries next. Well, yeah, because they actually it. haven't done it. <laughs> no, they've just done everything else. Yeah, pretty much. Uh. <laughs> so her response is, nope, when you're healed and looking pretty again. I love that. Yeah. When you're yeah. healed, when you are healed and looking pretty again. Okay. Yeah. And they make a deal on it, which. Yes. It made me laugh. But anyway, <laughs> I was just like, wow, these two fuckers. <laughs> wow. And then we get a snowflake. Yes, and um, now we're at the river house and we're going to try this scrying thing again. And I love this section. I think it's really interesting. We're getting to the part where that makes me head scratchy as well. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But we're here. We're here. We, we made it here. And we're gonna cry. Yeah, we are. And everybody's like a little bit shocked, I guess, because it was Nesta's idea. Like because yes. Cassian made this plan and was like, hey, Nesta's ready, she wants to, yada yada, let's do this. And everybody's like, holy shit, Nesta got her shit together. Which like just fuck these people, right? <laughs> like, she's doing you one big ass favor. Maybe we could stop being smug dicks about it but thank you anyway she does reese looks a little worse for wear given the situation and you know being beat to shit and all and nesta realizes that he's stressed out about her being in the house because obviously cassian can't keep his mouth shut and so she opens her mind just a little bit to let him in so that she could say i won't tell pharaoh like i'm not gonna say anything and he says thank you and just like sidebar i know there's like a lot of discussion in the fan groups hating on the fact that they're like well nesta didn't tell her sister so she's not any better than anybody else i get that she could have and i get that like in a really like firm up heroine story she would have because she'd have been like that's my sister but that's not their relationship and honestly in this situation in a world where maja is afraid to do her doctor duties and tell pharaoh why would nesta risk it exactly so like i i understand kind of that desire for nesta to step up and be like hey sis 911 SOS, we have a problem. Like, Houston, we have a problem. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I get the desire for that, but I also just don't think it was necessary because I don't think it would have made any more sense given the characterization and the like situation that has been built around this. Right. 
So that's just my two cents. Cause I know some people are, were like mad that she didn't immediately tell Feyre. And I'm like, eh. like, I get that. But uh, I also feel like if we're going to be mad at her, we got to be mad at all of them. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Yes, I agree. A hundred percent. So yeah, I don't know. Anyway, that aside, she's not going to tell her. Reese is grateful for it. <laughs> Amron is there looking grumpy as shit. And it, the last thing that, like, they just, Nesta and Amron had said to each other, like, replays in her head, and she hears, you've become a pathetic waste of life. Which, like, wow! Anyway. <laughs> Nesta's like, all right, let's get this show on the road. And yes. we go over to wherever our little table has been set up, like, in the middle of the... I don't know. What do you picture? I picture basically a fucking hallway. I have no idea where we are. I don't know. I'm picturing a big room with a big table in it, like a castle, like privy table yeah, type Yeah, for thing. some reason I picture the room like empty as shit and they've just put this random ass table in there. With a big map sprawled all over it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. That's pretty much what I picture too, where I'm like, I don't know. I don't have a really clear picture of this. It feels weird. Uh, yeah. <laughs> But anyway, so we're gonna we're gonna do the thing. Feyre is trying to <laughs> Jesus. Feyre is trying to pretend she's got her life together, and uh, she's now a big wise old lady Feyre apparently. And she's like, "Don't worry, like we won't allow any harm to come to Elaine. Like it's gonna be okay. It's not gonna be like last time. Like calm, Zen Juju, all the goodness." And Nesta's like, "Like." <laughs> Like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? You people were not prepared for this last time. I, I don't know if Reese told you what happened the other night. Like, this is about to be a shit show. Like, I'm willing to do it, but like, y'all crazy. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And Feyre's just like, it's okay. We've warded Elaine. And it's like, I'm not really sure why everybody is like all up this Elaine ass because I understand that Nesta is concerned about the fact that the last time she successfully did this, the cauldron went after Elaine. But I don't think Nesta's actual fear is that the cauldron is going to come back to get Elaine again. I think that her fear is if that happened last time, what could happen this time? Exactly. And I don't know why everybody's so fucking worried about Elaine because I don't think that's even remotely the concern here, but whatever. <laughs> No, yeah, it's I agree. fine. It doesn't make any fucking sense. But anyway, she says, like, don't worry. We've got Elaine, like, you know, safe. We've, we'll have eyes on her at all time. And Nesta's pointing out the obvious, which is like, yeah, and eyes can be blinded, motherfucker. Like, again, were you there last time? Remember how well that went? And Azriel is now trying to be reassuring. He's like, we won't make the same mistakes twice. Basically saying he's using his shadows to watch her. And I just... Haven't seen his shadows do much that was helpful, so I'm not really sure how that's going to work. Again, the logistics just seem lacking. <laughs> just but, a little bit. Fine. Nesta, maybe that has to do with the point of view of the, like, the story is from Nesta's point of view. Maybe it's because, like, Nesta is like, I don't fucking know what it. Y'all are saying words, and they mean jack all to me. <laughs> like... <laughs> Anyway, whatever. She literally is just like, all right, well, let's get this shit on the road. 
and no one speaks and I have to appreciate once again Cassian takes up his post which is like right behind Nesta like you know basically like arm kind of behind her anchoring her wings kind of just like flared out a little bit kind of creating a nice little you know whatever you want to call that little spot for her right mm-hmm. and I think it's sweet. In her head, she's trying to, like, calm her thoughts, right? And she's trying to, like, get into the right headspace. And she starts with, he had come to save her from her nightmare, had stayed with her while she slept, had guarded and fought for her. He would let no harm come to her now. And then she keeps hearing, like, a mantra over and over again. No harm, no harm, no harm. And this is opening, like, a quiet space for the darkness to kind of turn into whatever it turns into that she can do this again we don't really understand uh, <laughs> she does feel cassian's arm behind her and she ends up taking his hand like her like i don't really again the logistics questionable uh, i guess like maybe imagine he if he's like on her right and his left arm is behind her then his right hand is free and so is her right hand so that's what i got going here i don't know otherwise we got too many hands <laughs> I find in a lot of books that have a lot of sex that often there are too many hands. It just. Yes. Check that out sometime when you're reading a book that has like really graphic sex and see if you notice that in a lot of scenes, there's too many fucking hands and it doesn't make any sense. So anyway, this is not that, but still, I thought it was important. (laughs) Still felt like we were dealing with too many limbs here. Yes. Far too many body parts. (laughs) In places where they weren't supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Right. Point is, he's grounding her. That's nice. And she's now slipping out of the mantra of, you know, I, no harm, no harm, no harm, to the mask. Where is the mask of the Dread Trove? And this is like the beginning of it going like a wee bit sideways because she's looking for the mask. She's looking for the Dread Trove. And it kind of turns into uh, the beginning of a movie. And we hear like, in the beginning and at the end, there was darkness and nothing more. And it's like, oh, fuck. Like, we didn't ask for that shit. We just asked, where's the mask? <laughs> and so she keeps staying with that thought. Like, where's the mask? Where's the mask? <laughs> and well... Now we're kind of stuck in her head, so we get a snowflake and we see what's going on on the outside. Yep. And time is ticking away, literally. And, you know, they see Nesta and Cassian standing next to Nets to each other. Her fingers are loose in his hand. Her other hand is holding the bones and the stones over the map. And you know, they're all looking at each other. And apparently then it starts to get chilly in the room with a chill breeze. And Amron's like, where the hell is she going? Right, right. He, she's like, what has this got to do with throwing bones and stones? What the fuck is this energy? Exactly. And then, you know, apparently her hands turn cold as ice it starts to chill out in the room to the point that that Azriel's breath is now going to fog in the air. And he's like, even Ass is like, wait a minute, this didn't happen last time. I know, fucking Captain Obvious over here. <laughs> okay. Thanks, dude. So glad you picked up on that. And, you know, 
her eyes start moving under her closed lids. And the air is getting colder and colder. And Amarin, being Amarin, is like, if you see the mask, time to let it go. Yeah, like, what the fuck, Amarin? Obviously, what if we caught here? (laughs) Yeah. And now it's, you know, her eyes are starting to really move back and forth behind her eyelids. And even Fair gets in on it and she's like, Nesta, open your hand. And then, you know, she's trying and she can't get through to her, even using Daimati powers. And she's like, you know, she never lowered her shields. Her shields are, and Reese is like, a fortress of solid iron. And Amran is like, her mind is guarded with something that no fairy magic can break. The essence of the cauldron itself. And she's still not, she's not scenting, you know, they don't scent fear on her, whatever. Cassian keeps going, give her time. He acknowledges it's getting fucking cold in that room. Yeah. And the temps are just dropping and dropping. And she squeezes his hand hard. It's a warning. And Cass looks at Reese and he's like, get her out. Now. And Reese is like, I-, I can't. The doors to her mind that were open the other night, they're they're closed, shut completely. And Favor's like, she doesn't want it seen her or us. So she's locked it out, but in the in the same way, she locked herself in. Right. Which just throwing this out there, I don't think I doubt anyway, that after this little fiasco they're not gonna give nesta any credit for that of course not why would they do that bitch throw the stones like she's literally protecting your ass and locking herself up in the process yes what do you not get yes but cassian is finally the one who's like nesta open your hand and come back and he snarls her name again and the cold starts to, to halt it just doesn't bear it it doesn't all right it doesn't go away but it stops so the temperature has at least stopped yeah stabilized yeah nesta's eyes open and all you see is silver fire of course reese's response is to take favor and shove her behind him like that's gonna do a whole lot dude but she keeps coming around nesta's hand is she's still squeezing Cass in his hand He's using his siphons now to start putting some power back into it and kind of bite at her, so to speak, to be like, hey, hello, you're not alone. And there are people here who can help you. I love how this is worded, though. It is, like, terrifying, but the way he handles it is amazing. Yes, because it says she turned her head so slowly it was like watching a puppet move. Her eyes met his. Death watched him. But death had walked beside him every day of his life. So Cassian stroked his thumb along her palm and said, Hello, Ness. Nesta blinked, and he let his siphons bite her with his power again. The fire flickered. He nodded at the map. Let go of the stones and bones. 
He didn't let her scent his fear. Here was the being the bone carver had whispered about, exalted and feared. Her eyes flamed and no one dared to breathe. Let go of the bones and stones and then you and I can play, Cassian said, letting her sense his heat and need, forcing himself to remember that taunting kiss at dinner and her promise to let him fuck her wherever he wished in the house and what it had done to him and how much he had ached. He let it all blaze in his eyes, let the scent of his arousal wrap around her. Everyone tensed as he leaned in, head dipping, and kissed her. Yeah, I love it because I love the part about how he identifies the fact that this isn't fully her. This is like her death power staring him down and he's not afraid of that because he's faced death so many fucking times before. Exactly. And so he's like, okay, yeah, I'm not fucking scared of that shit. And like, I love that because even if she doesn't fully, even if she's not fully aware, she doesn't fully remember, like there's some part of her that's going to know that he's not afraid of that part of her. You know what I mean? Exactly. And I just absolutely love that. And I also absolutely love that he's kind of got a, there's been the beating around the bush with the two of them this whole time where it's like, ugh, where, like, Asriel knows and he said, ugh, like, the house smells of sex and blah, blah, blah. But, like, they were joking around and fucking around. You know what I mean? But now yeah. it's like, in this moment, he's just gonna be like, okay, well, she needs to realize I'm fucking here and, like, get her shit together, right? And obviously that's gonna alert the whole fucking room. It's not like they're gonna be like, huh, she could smell that, but I smell nothing. <laughs> Fair, fair enough. So yeah, like, they're all going to be like, okay. That is a super vulnerable place to be. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, I just, I, everything about that. I just love everything about it. <laughs> so they're kissing. And as he says, he found the inside of her mouth, usually so soft and warm, crusted with hoarfrost. Yeah. The hell? Yeah. No, thanks. I'm good. Don't need that. Thanks. She doesn't kiss him back, but she doesn't push him away. So he's shoving heat into his kiss. Uh, Which is like not a, this is the funny part to me. And this is like the wild thing about fantasy, right? And like magic systems. This is not a known power that he has. Exactly. (laughs) So so it's like, he's doing what? Like, I thought it was a metaphor, but we're going to find out, like, two pages from now when Reese says that, like, it, it's not. Anyway, Reese is going to say anything, and it's going to be like, oh, no, this actually happened. And so, like, I just think it's hilarious because it's like, I love that in fantasy, no matter what, at any given time, you can be like, and now we're going to do a thing. Why? Because I said so. Exactly. <laughs> like, have fun. <laughs> Anyway, the kissing continues and it gets deeper, like, at this point, you know. Well, there comes a point where she's coming out of it because she's kissing back. She starts kissing him back, exactly. And things start to heat up, literally. Not just 
like figuratively, but literally heat yeah. up where it was cold. Now it is going to get quite warm. And he finally pulls back and he looks at it looks at her enough to say against her lips, let go, Nesta. And then he starts kissing her again. And then something finally thunks and clicked, clinked beside him. And when Nesta's other hand, I love how it says this, Nesta's other hand gripped his shoulder, fingers now free of stones and bones. When she arched her neck, granting him better, deeper access, he nearly shuddered with relief. She broke the kiss first, as if sliding into her body and remembering who kissed her, where they were, and who watched. Which, fucking fair, okay? Like, on one hand, you're like, you know, on one hand, you want to be like, you know, fuck it. Do the, like, we love this. We love them together. Do the thing. Like, you know what I mean? But on the other hand, it's like, okay, but like, in all reality, in all fairness, it's not like she shoves him away by any means. She just becomes blatantly aware of the situation, which like, any. Kim and I spent a solid 20 minutes dissecting a very awkward accidental thing that I just did in my fucking life. And it wasn't even that bad, but like, I felt so fucking weird. And so like, if I felt that way about my life, then I can only imagine how she feels realizing what's happened. Okay. Exactly. And of course, the first thing you hear is interesting from Amarin. But Amarin's not talking about Cassian and Nesta. No, no, no. She's talking about where the Bones and Stones landed on this map. Yeah, because she's completely like, I love this. I love this so much. This is so funny because apparently Feyre is just like jaw dropped fucking shocked and this is all we were talking about <laughs> where I was like What? How are you shocked? You're the one who told us all back in Agalar. <laughs> like, what is so shocking to you? You knew this. So Reese is like, in his mind, mind to mind, he's like, what did you do to pull her out of that? What do you think? He, what? You have eyes, Reese. <laughs> Cassian's like, well, the only thing I could think of. And Reese goes, well, you warmed the entire room. And he's like, Cass goes, you know, I didn't mean to. It was an accident. And she pulled, and Nesta finally pulls away, not in a harsh way, but enough that she and, and Cassian could see where Amarin is looking on, on the map. And Feyre's like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. The bog of Urid. The mask is in a bog. <clears throat> yeah. But Amron actually has the answer to this one. And something tells me it's just not going to be a fun adventure to go find this because she says Urid was once a sacred place. Warriors were laid to rest in its night black waters. But Urid changed to a place of darkness. Don't give me that look, Resand. You know what I mean. A long time ago, filled with such evil that no one will venture there, and only the worst of the fairies are drawn to it. They say the water there flows to under the mountain, and the creatures who live in the bog have long used its underground waterways to travel through the middle, 
even into the mountains of the surrounding courts. And Pharaoh's like, it can't be more specific. Do we have a detailed map of the middle? And Reese was like, nope, it's forbidden to map the middle beyond all the vague landmarks. Well, hell, people. <laughs> I know. I mean, I kind of love it. Okay, well, having read ahead, I know I love it. But I kind of love it because it sets up Cassian and Nesta in a way that is very parallel to when Reese was first working with Feyre, like Weaver's Cottage, uh, uh, you know, going to the prison, all of that, you know, where it's like, it's gonna be okay. I got you. And it's like, do you know? Do you? Right. <laughs> Feyre's like, wait a minute, who who set the rules that you can't map this? Fair. I, I want to know too. Yeah. And the answer is an ancient council of the High Lords. The middle is a place where wild magic still dwells and thrives and feeds. We respect it as its own entity and do not wish to provoke its wrath by revealing its mysteries. And then Pharaoh's like, wait a minute. So if you go to the bog, you're going to have to be armed. Cassian's like, well, we're both going to be armed to the teeth. And I, I love it because the Nesta doesn't respond and they're all looking at her. None of them are going to ask about the power that had looked out at him. The one that he had melted away with his kiss. And Nesta's like, we go tomorrow. And Pharaoh's like, wait, we need time. You need time to prepare. And, and Nesta is like, we go tomorrow. Cassie's figured it out. He doesn't need her to expel it out. Uh, she wanted to go tomorrow, so she didn't have the chance to think better of it and to learn about the peril she would be facing, which, fair enough. Okay, but this is also why I'm like, Favor, what planet are you from? Weren't you just in her position, like, two years ago? What the f- Not even, like, a year and a half ago? Like, like what? Like, prepare for what? Nobody prepared you. Reese showed up to your room and was like, hey, these are called pants. And this is Illyrian guard. Let's strap some knives to your legs and carry on. Like, yeah. prepare. There's your preparation. <laughs> you, want to, you want them to prepare? What? <laughs> and Cassie's only answer is, we'll leave after breakfast. And that is the end of the chapter. Thank God. Uh, I know it's a long, it's it's long, but I, I really love it. And having read ahead to the next section, I fucking love it too. So I'm super excited. Mm, can't wait. Okay, but in the meantime, hit us with some songs, Kim. Okay. So I had some fun with these people. Song one is Everyone Wants to Rule the World by Tears for Fears. It kind of is applicable in several places, so I hope y'all are smart enough to kind of know, but... Okay, but also, Lord does a great cover of this. Uh, I think she did yes. it for The Hunger Games. Highly recommend. Yes. Love her version. Oh my god, it's gorgeous. So either version, but being an 80s girl, I'm partial to my tears for fears. I understand, I understand. But, you know... It, what the reason why I like it is it's so appropriate because you're talking at different times about, you know, well, what are you going to do when, you know, Eris is going to find out and 
Tamlin is going to find out. And how are you going to handle this? How are we going to approach all of this? So it, you know, we know that there is a power vacuum that is opening up and how are we going to handle that power vacuum? And that's kind of where I feel it fits in. Yeah. The next song is Need You Tonight by NXS. Kind of goes along with the whole teasing each other at the dinner table and the makeout session to get her out of her sure. cauldron-induced funk. Then <laughs> this goes along with that too, which is Take Me Home Tonight by Eddie Money. <laughs> uh, the next song is I Am By Your Side by Corey Hart. And I just think it's so appropriate for how Cassian is literally, he walks in there with her and stands next to her and has his, you know, his hand is holding hers his hand is on the small of her back. Yeah. It's there. The next song is Devil Inside by NXS. I kind of picked it because especially at this point when like death quite literally looks out at all of them. Yeah, it seems fair. Kind of appropriate. The next song I have is Breath of Life by Florence and the Machine for Cassian to bring Nesta back from whatever cold depths of cauldron hell where she was to the present the next song is bring me to life by evanescence and it's really for the same thing when he kisses her to literally bring her back also i'm just a huge evanescence fan so there's that (laughs) well yeah you know there's that and the last song i have is standing outside the fire by garth brooks and the reason why i picked that is is you know nesta is literally in this cold icy fire and she is you know it's coming out of her eyes and she's in the room and everyone's freezing but they're standing outside of that fire watching her and she's the fire and i just thought it was so appropriate to have nesta be the fire so they're the song (laughs) kim just watched me like go dead in the face for a second this like ADHD thing where I can't even really explain what happened you said fire and I was thinking about the song and then I was thinking about other songs that have fire in them and then I was thinking about a set of lyrics that I was like who dis what am I hearing in my head and then I was like that's Adele that is an Adele song that doesn't even have the word fire in it what Adele song does have the word fire in it? And then I started like trying to insert the word fire into random Adele lyrics until I could figure out what I was thinking about. And then I realized that I wasn't talking and you were done talking and there was a weird silence. (laughs) Well, that's one way to do it. Okay. That's an interesting path to take. I'm not going to say it isn't because I make that path myself on occasion. I'm like, huh. Well, I wonder. And then what about this? Of course, now you went off on your whole thing about songs with the word fire in it. And I've got like three that instantly popped into my head. Damn you. Doesn't Adele have some song about I don't know about Adele. I don't know, (laughs) but I can't get johnny cash out of my head at the moment with ring of fire <laughs> oh jesus okay well we're I've, got broken Corey, now. I've got i've got cory hart fields of fire <laughs> i'm like 
Jeez. We got a problem. I got some weird songs in my head right now. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Yeah, well, welcome to how my brain works. Uh, anyway, on that note, uh, tell us how your brain works. <laughs> Talk to us on all the things. And tell me if there's an Adele song with fire in it. Anyway, you can do that. <laughs> On our website, massivefansbookclub.com, Facebook at Massive Fans Book Club and Podcast, Twitter at Massive Podcast, Instagram at Massive Fans Podcast, Pinterest at Massive Fans, TikTok at Massive Fan Pod. You can also go to the link and read my weird Lucian Farah alternate universe fanfics. Now maybe now maybe I'll have to write one with them and some fire, because that's where my brain went. Well, you know, his magic is fire. <laughs>